Hello and welcome. <clears throat> no. Hello and welcome back to Serial Bowls. Patrick and I are doing our Jordan flu game right now. We're battling through. Patrick, how are you feeling? Ah, uh, great, man. Uh, Ned and I just came back from our uh, uh, fall retreat, and uh, we are feeling the effects of that. Um, I'm feeling a lot better than I was a few days ago. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, uh, for me, I feel like I just sound worse than I am. So we'll try to keep the coughing and sniffling to a minimum. But um, the strength of of what we gained from the corporate retreat um, was worth it. Um, The first game we watched, um, you know, we looked at the schedule and we said, man, it's really balanced strangely. There's not a lot of good stuff at noon. And the college football gods heard us and gave us Kansas 10 Oklahoma zero at halftime before Oklahoma came storming back to win 35, 27. Uh, This was a ball game for far too long. Yeah, it was a really interesting watching this unfold. I know uh, Kansas uh, was tweeting out, Hey, gates are open to anyone. No, no purchase necessary. Get on in here because we're beating Oklahoma and people started coming out. And uh, so that was fun to watch. But then of course, uh, Oklahoma uh, took over in a pretty weird way. Yeah. Um, it was okay. Let me just say that Caleb Williams play that everyone's gushing about shouldn't have counted. I'm sick of it. Yeah. So uh, apparently it was legal, legal forward handoff is something I've never heard and thought I'd never would hear in the football game. Um, but uh, what we're describing about is I think it was fourth and one and Kennedy Brooks was running up and got stopped short, but wait. Caleb Williams comes in and takes the ball from him and extends the series and effectively ended the game. Um, I will say this is a really heady play by both um, Caleb and Brooks because Brooks having the uh, like ability to realize that, hey, this is not an opposing player. This is my teammate and give the ball to him was pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was a heady play, but um, for the purpose of the narrative – I guess it, it annoyed me, and you know you see all the time defenses make plays like that, and then the refs say, "Oh, actually, his forward progress was stopped," um, or they 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 take a safety off the board, and and, and I thought they were going to do that here, but you know I guess the Big Twelve powers to be had to keep Oklahoma in the playoff hunt. I've got my third eye wide open, yeah, on that one. Um, and honestly, other than that play, Caleb Williams wasn't great. He only had 178 passing, only 70 rushing, and it took until the second half for Oklahoma to score any points. Yeah, he he didn't look great for a while there, but I will say those that play and the I think there's another fourth and three where he had pressure coming. There was a lot of people in the backfield. His old line got beat bad, and he turned it loose for 40 a 40 like I think a 43 yard score it might have been longer. Yeah. Um. So he he wasn't that great, but he made some very very big plays and big moments. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's extremely dynamic. Um, him struggling that badly with Kansas, you know, had my you know my radar up, but like you said, he was phenomenal in the second half. A few massive plays, um, and then led Oklahoma to to a, a win that ended up being fairly comfortable at the end of it. I suppose. Yeah. Um. Another top team that struggled, Cincinnati 27, Navy 20. Uh, Navy came to play in this game. They it were did. firing off onside kicks. They were passing the ball. It was uh, – they gave Cincinnati all they could handle. Yeah, um, don't let this score kind of fool you. Um, Cincinnati was 
handling this game quite comfortably for most of it. I think they were up 27 to 10 at one point. Um, But, uh, you know, when you play a team like Navy and the triple option, you can't really play incredibly four quarters and four incredible quarters against a team like this. So I guess Navy kind of warmed down at the end, got that late touchdown. But it was close towards the end there for sure. Yeah. It was like Navy got up and then Cincinnati kind of got back in there and took the lead, pulled away. And then Navy scored late on a 16-play, 90-yard drive, and then got the onside kickback, only down seven. And he said, uh-oh, uh, they've only got to go, you know, 50 yards to, you know, potentially tie this game. I, I think the way Navy was playing, they might have just – if they had scored a touchdown, I think they would have gone for two. Yeah. But, you know, Navy's not a passing team. Uh, so they went zero total yards and it ended with an interception. Mm-hmm. So – and, you know, people are going to use this game to ding Cincinnati and their playoff resume. Uh, but remember, we just got talking – we just got done talking about Oklahoma struggling with Kansas, which is far more damning in my opinion. Yep, I agree. Oh, no, not a great game for Cincinnati, but you got to win your clunkers, and they won their clunker. Now, moving into the 330 slot, we had a couple just absolutely delightful games. Uh, starting with Oregon 34, UCLA 31. Um, excellent game. UCLA hops up 14-0. Oregon comes storming back uh, to be down three at halftime. And they go up 13-0 in the third quarter. And UCLA comes storming back. And, you know, it was back and forth, back and forth. Um, Dorian Thomas Robinson got hurt at the very end of the game. So the UCLA backup, Ethan Garbers, had to come in. And we almost had... Well, at least we had the start of a Disney movie. He came in, moved the ball, and he threw a pick. But yep. this game was great. Yeah, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, the Bruins could not block Thibodeau at all. Um, he was dominant for Oregon defensively. Oh, my God. He, yeah, was... that, he is so good. I think that's like his first complete game he's played all season. Yeah. I think um, yeah, he had an injury and then targeting and then subsequent suspension for the targeting. Yeah, I have a stat line right here. Nine tackles, four and a half tackles for a loss, and two sacks. Yeah, golly. And Oregon's defense in general, this was the defense that beat Ohio State. They had 11 tackles for a loss, four sacks, two picks, and held Zach Charbonnet on UCLA, who's been phenomenal for them all season, to 35 yards on 15 carries. That's that Pac-12 winning defense we thought we were getting. Yeah, they – um. They did a pretty good job. Uh, Oregon's um, run for the playoff, I think, is still intact. They're hanging on a thread, I think, right now because they can't afford to lose another one. And they almost did here but because they yeah. almost blew it late. But, hey, you know, when you're clunkers. Yeah, Anthony Brown was, you know, this is kind of the classic Anthony Brown game. He had two interceptions. That's bad. But then he had almost 300 total yards of offense. That's good. You know, six carries for 85 yards, 43-yard touchdown. I mean, that's what you need out of him, especially since UCLA was, you know, handling Travis Dye pretty well. He averaged only two and a half yards a carry, um, which normally is enough to get the win, but it just was not meant to be. um, Great, awesome game, awesome game. Uh, In the Big 12, we had a game. This game was going on simultaneously. Um, another back and forth game, Iowa State 24, Oklahoma State 21. Um, I think this game says more about Iowa State than it does Oklahoma State for me. Yep. Um, Brocktober is back. 
27 for 33, 307 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he looked great. Uh, Iowa State still looking pretty good. I think they're still in the hunt for the Big 12 title, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, this was technically an upset, I guess, per the rankings, but Iowa State was favored pretty much in this one. Um, yeah. And I think we knew going in that Oklahoma State's luck was running out, and we found out pretty quickly it did. Yeah, 100%. This was definitely, it, again, much like the Oregon game, this was the Iowa State I sort of expected. Yeah. Party was steady, maybe not extremely dynamic, but like you said, 307, two touchdowns. We had a Brees Hall long, long run, 70 yards and a touchdown. The defense was great. This is what I expected, and I think that's maybe who Iowa State is. Um, you know, it seems like we're further along than we are, but we've got six weeks left before the conference championship and Iowa state seems like they're in a good spot to get there. Um, and if they get two cracks at Oklahoma, I don't, I don't think it's crazy. To say they, they're going to beat them once. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, Spencer Sanders, maybe the best game he's played all year. Uh, and it was only 225 yards, but he didn't turn it over. So yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just what we thought with Oklahoma State, just being very, very good defensively and just absolutely whatever on offense. Um, and Iowa State cashed in on that and was able to finish out pretty quickly. I do think that Oklahoma State is going to be able to bounce back for sure. Like, I mean, this game came down to a couple inches on a fourth down stop, so it could have gone either way, but I think Oklahoma State shouldn't be too concerned yet. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and – <clears throat> Most teams don't have the Brock Hardy Brees Hall combo in the Big 12. Right. So, and I think, you know, we saw Oklahoma struggle with Kansas this weekend. I, I do wonder how they're going to hold up against this Oklahoma State defense. Mm. Um, you know, especially uh, it's in Stillwater. So, and you know, Oklahoma State's going to be jacked up for that. You know, they lost this game. So that, that might be the only thing they're focused on. Right. Um, and they don't exist. And then, I mean, leading up to it, we got Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. Those none of those teams are good. Oklahoma State should win all those games pretty easily. So that that could be a, a big game for both teams. Definitely, uh, Big Twelve title game implications. Right. <clears throat> a game that was just one of the most painful experiences of my entire life. That was not great. Um, yeah. When, uh, Illinois 20, Penn State 18, the 9 OT thriller, and That's it was right. still a bad football game. Nine overtimes. Yeah. Uh, my God, nobody wanted to win this game. No. It was, you know, if you don't know this, <clears throat> Nancy Dublin implemented a new rule where after, what is it? It's, it's after the the second overtime, it just turns into trading two-point conversions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these teams just sat there and futilely traded three-yard plays. And they couldn't get there. None of them could get there. Um, it was either incomplete passes, stacked up at the line of scrimmage. Penn State tried a little razzle-dazzle, but Sean Clifford dropped the ball. Um, and eventually, Illinois' starter, the transfer from Rutgers, broke his arm. So we had to stop the game for 10 minutes to bring in the transfer from Michigan to finally throw the, the winning two-point conversion. Uh, and because of listed in the box score. Yeah. 
Um, I think this new overtime rule is fine. I think it's going to be fun for teams that have competent offenses. It's just we luckily or unluckily got a, two teams that were just trash on offense. So it just did not. It looked ugly as hell. Oh, these it was mm. it went from me starting being like, oh, they're not scoring to being in the depths of hell. And then we kind of pulled up into let's see how long this can go. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to double digit overtimes, but maybe, you know, maybe it was for the best. Yeah. Um, besides this whole ugliness, um, there's some things that we should go over here. Um, see you later, James Franklin. Uh, this was a brutal loss for Penn State. Um, their past two games, they've looked like they're 2024 and five South. Their strong defense allowed 357 yards in the ground to Illinois. Yeah. Um, they've gone from a college football hopeful playoff to insert brand name bowl bound team very fast. Yeah, this this team's got quick lane written all over it. <clears throat> we will see you uh, a few days before Christmas in Detroit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think maybe, you know, Franklin's been tied to a lot of big name jobs. And I think maybe before this game, Penn State fans said, no, we got to keep them. Maybe after this one, they're saying good riddance, man. See ya. Adios. Yeah, and it's not going to get easier this week um, against Ohio State. So um, that's not going to be fun for them. Speaking of fun, we were having some fun to start the year. Alabama's got a loss. Ohio State's got a loss. They're struggling. They're weak. They're vulnerable. Two games this weekend kind of told me the fun's over. Uh, Alabama 52 Tennessee 24. Uh, this was a great game. A great game. It was 24-17 heading into the fourth quarter. And then Alabama scored 28 points. And it got less fun pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, thanks for trying, UT. Uh, thanks for making it fun for a little bit there. And then I guess Alabama rediscovered their 2020 South in those last 15 minutes. And beat the shit out of UT. Um I mean, Tennessee could not tackle Bryce Young at all in this game. Um, just they did expose some miscues on Bama, um, which I think that Bama needs to figure out how to tighten up real quick still. Um, but there's some things with Tennessee I was kind of disappointed in because with Alabama, you can't punt on like fourth and twos yeah. between the 40s. And they were doing that a couple times. You got to cash in on those opportunities. Yeah, seven punts for Tennessee. That's not going to get it done. Um, like you said, they showed flashes. And, you know, I said, put it in your tickler file last week. I said, I think Tennessee might be able to hang around. I looked like the world's smartest man for about 45 minutes. And then I looked like the idiot I am pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Um, but, again, Hendon Hooker is not bad. I do kind of like what I see from Tennessee. It's just – this is that this is the gap between your average SEC team and Alabama. Right. And you know, maybe it's it's good to and you know what, it's better than normal when they lose like forty five to seven. So, you know, they showed they can play with them for a little bit. I think they they could have some positive momentum as we go down the stretch here. But Alabama's good. Um breaking news. Um I think, you know, again, we got LSU, we got New Mexico State, we have Arkansas. Headed to the Iron Bowl. This this is not gonna be any problem for them. Um, so it's all to come down to that Iron Bowl and then um, the SEC title game. 
against presumably Georgia. Um, elsewhere in the funds over category, oh boy, Ohio State 54, Indiana 7. Good. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're back in the college football playoff conversation for sure. Yeah. Um, CJ Stroud is fucking killing it right now. They're on top to become really a top offense. They're, I'm pretty sure they're already a top offense, and they're going to be a top team by the end of the year. Yeah. It, when you have a good guy throwing it, and then you have that freshman, Travion Henderson, just gashing them on yeah. the ground, it's you. they're unstoppable right now. Yeah, nine carries. Two of them were touchdowns. The other ones were uh, nine yards to carry. I mean, th- this, kid's, this kid's a stud. The offense is amazing. The defense seems to have figured it out a little bit. Um Boy, Indiana. What 2020 seems further and further away, doesn't it? Yeah, the fun of being the Havoc Big Ten team is kind of over for them. Yeah, we had three quarterbacks play combined for 80 yards. Hey, but no interceptions. So you got that going for you. Yep. Um, So, yeah, Ohio State's very good. Um, Yeah, like Patrick said, they're in line for the college football playoff. And that sucks, but what are you going to do, I guess? That's just um, – that's college football for you. Um, now let's get to some segments. Everyone's favorite part of the show. My favorite part, anyway. Um, studs and duds. My dud, DJ Uangale, finally got benched. Mercifully, honestly, at this point, 12 yeah. for 25, 128 yards and two interceptions. In a, a loss – by Clemson that never felt close. No, and I think that's probably the last we're going to see DJU this year. Um, that backup that came in seemed to provide a better spark than what he can do offensively. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he, he he. I think that benching should have come weeks ago for him. Yeah, I understand kind of riding with him as much as you can because he was so good last year and he is so highly touted, but I don't know what the disconnect is. Maybe it would benefit him to just take a week off. Yeah, there's no pressure anymore. I, I I don't know what's happening there, but hey, Pitt's looking good. We love Pitt here. Uh, we are pulling for Pitt in the playoff. Um, my stud, unsurprisingly, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, 25 carries for 138 yards and two touchdowns. We sprinkled six catches for 42 yards on top of that as Notre Dame, frankly, crushed USC. Yeah, they uh, that he, you know, Notre Dame's run game was kind of a question throughout the year and they just killed them on the ground the, uh, the Trojans it was a pretty good showing yeah that's uh, what we've been looking for all season I was soaked to see it me and my run the damn ball hat were elated um, great game for the Irish offense great game for Kyron Williams um, you'll see him playing on Sundays very soon Patrick who's your dud my dud was Sean Clifford of Penn State um, he was 19 for 34, 165 yards, one touchdown with a 17.8 QBR. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that we're everyone's pretty much done. I mean, he is banged up pretty bad, but I know Penn State fans and the nation has been waiting to see this Sean Clifford show up to be a great quarterback, and he keeps just struggling year in, year out. And yeah. Did not have a good game last Saturday. No. Um, and then I think we talked about it when they lost to Iowa. I think that just really speaks to how bad that backup must be. Yeah. Because Clifford was, you know, like you said, he was clearly banged up out there, but him at 70, 89% was clearly a, a far step ahead of that backup. Yep. And uh, for my dud, I picked the entire Army Wake Forest game. What a barn burner. Good. I mean, when is the last time that 
army who runs a triple option scores 50 plus points and loses a game. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if that's ever happened before for that program. Probably um, not. They were, they were throwing the ball too, which is interesting. I mean, so you have <clears throat> really that game was a stud overall, but Sam Hartman for Wake Forest, uh, 23 of 29 for 458 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, golly, dude. That'll, this game was play. incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, we had one, two, three, four different players on Wake Forest with over uh, 18 yards of catch. Uh, Jaquari Robin Roberson, one fifty-seven, eight catches, three touchdowns. Um, Wake Forest, I'm where I'm ready for that Wake Forest Pitt ACC championship. I Me gotta too. have it. It's gonna be great. I gotta have it. Um, I don't think they play. No, they don't play at all this year. So we will get hopefully twelve and zero Wake um, versus eleven and one Pitt. It's what the people demand. Heading into week nine, we've got an excellent balance slate this weekend. We've got Michigan, Michigan State at noon, Texas, Baylor, and Pitt, Miami. Then at 3.30, we got the cocktail party and a little FSU Clemson for the sickos out there. 7 o'clock is nice. Ole Miss, Auburn, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Penn State, Ohio State, and even a little G5 action, SMU, Houston. And we got a good late night slate, too, BYU, UVA. That's two six and 6-2 teams right there. And then, of course, a Pac-12 after dark doubleheader. You love to see it. Silence your phone. Just leave a bowl of candy out for the kids. Don't need to get dressed up or even bother entering the door. Put a pot of chili on the stove. This is what we live for, folks. Uh-huh. Uh, at first game, Michigan-Michigan State. Michigan is four-point favorites as they travel to East Lansing. This kicks off at noon on Fox. And this is going to be a Big Ten game right here. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a hard game to predict for sure. Yeah, we're going to have two teams who absolutely love to run the ball and absolutely love to play defense. And I think it will come down to which of the running attacks can get loose. Will it be Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State? Uh, you know, honestly, a Heisman front runner at this point, or the Corum Haskins duo from Michigan? Yeah, um, here's what I think. Um, Michigan State has fine wins in the schedule. It's hard to tell how good they are, and the same thing can be said for Michigan. Yeah. Um, the trouble – point i have the troubling area i have with michigan is if michigan's run game is led by blake Corum, like you said gets bottled up like it did say against rutgers can their quarterback Cade mcnamara sling it to win it i don't know if i can trust him to do that against michigan state's defense yeah um so i think this could be a slow game with neither teams wanting to take risks so i'm gonna take michigan state with uh the points here Ooh, I like it. Yeah, I think that makes sense because, like you said, Michigan hasn't thrown the ball at all. Yeah. Uh, they uh, frankly, because they haven't had to, but I think trying to figure out if you can in a rivalry game on the road is not necessarily the best time for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you just, you have to leave Michigan State here. Um, it, you know, no matter who wins, is certainly a, a – a legitimate Big Ten East contender, and it'll be really fun. I think this will be a really fun game. These games always come down to the last second. Um, definitely going to be a good one. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, I don't know how good of a game this will be. Penn State travels to Columbus as 18-and-a-half-point underdogs, 730 ABC. And this game is, is Ohio State truly back? They've whipped Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana the past four weeks. Not exactly a murder show, you know. Um, 
And Penn State did just lose to Illinois, but that defense is still extremely stout. I, I think I don't think Penn State really has a chance to win this game, but I'm interested to see how they handle Stroud. Um, this is a real collapse potential here yeah. for Penn State. Um, Sean Clifford's beat up. Um, he their offense have had long droughts earlier in the season. Um, I, I like I like you said. I still think Ohio State's vulnerable on defense, but that offense is so damn good. Yeah. Um. I mean, Penn State can't even run the ball. And I, honestly, both teams are trending in opposite directions. You have Ohio mm-hmm. State trending upwards by a lot, and you have Penn State just trending all the way down. So I honestly think that Ohio State's going to win by 20, 21 points in this game. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it'll be something like um, 21-3, 24-6. I, like, I think Penn State can keep Ohio State's offense tamped down to some degree, Yeah, but I don't think they're going to move the ball whatsoever. Um, speaking of not moving the ball whatsoever, Florida at, is against Georgia in the world's largest outdoor, outdoor soiree. Georgia is two touchdown favorites, 330 CBS. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll go first as the neutral, and then I'll let the dogs fan cook here. I think Georgia by a zillion has got to be the move here, right? Yeah, you know, you think so. Um, uh, this is going to be a revenge game for Kirby uh, after that beatdown in 2020. Um, I know a lot of people or a few people have been saying, can Florida do it again? I mean, Dan Mullen does prepare for the big game, but I mean, Georgia's had two weeks to pre- prepare for this, and I do not think Kirby's going to let that happen again with what happened in 2020. This is also Georgia's most likely likeliest loss before the championship, SEC championship game, so I don't think they're looking past this at all. No. Um, Great. I, I, you know, it's a rivalry game, so you know, stats at the window, yada yada yada. But I do think that Georgia is going to be able to hand, handedly control this game. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think really the only way Florida wins this game is if Stetson Bennett has twenty twenty Alabama. Yeah, and makes bad throws, give Florida gives Florida short fields, free points. Uh, Stuff like that. Um, although I, I did read this morning that JT Daniels seems to be full go in practice. So wow. while he might not start, um, because you know things have rolling with <coughs> excuse me, things have been rolling with Bennett, it seems like he will at least be an option so that Kirby can pull that emergency shoot if Bennett is struggling. Yeah. So I, I think that favors the dogs here. Um and, and on the other side of the ball, even though Embry Jones and Anthony Richardson have both shown flashes of excellence. There's not enough consistency here to make me think they can really threaten this defense. Yeah, I agree. I just so I think there's a chance Florida maybe pops them in the mouth a little, maybe scores a long touchdown to open the the draw the game, and everyone says, "Uh oh," and then Georgia wins thirty-four to seven. Yep. Um, elsewhere in the SEC. Ole Miss travels to Auburn, where Auburn is the two-and-a-half-point favorite. 7 o'clock ESPN. Um, get your popcorn ready for this one, folks. We've got the most chaotic team in the country with the Rebs against the most chaotic player in the country in Bo Nix. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it'll make whatever happened in the Tennessee-Ole Miss game a couple weeks ago look like child's play. Yeah, um, it's been a hell of a month for Ole Miss. Uh, they're three and one. Um, you know they beat Arkansas, they beat Tennessee, 
they beat LSU and they lost to Bama, but um, being three and one in that situation is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, other than that, I do think their defense is still worrisome week after week. Um, they have been decent preventing the big plays, but the key here, I think, is with Corral still being kind of banged up. I think Auburn can slow this game down and keep that offense off the field with um, Bo Nix and company. So something has got to give here with Ole Miss and what's left in their tank, I would say, after a very um, strong October and tough October. I think I'm going to take Auburn with uh, with the points here. Wow. I, I mean, that does make a lot of sense. Um, like you said, I mean, I think you, you hit it directly on the head. Um, if Ole Miss gives possessions away with bad play calling, um, you know, we saw last week against LSU, um, they lined to go forward on fourth and short and instantly got a false start penalty. Things like that, mental mistakes. Auburn can take the air out of the ball, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, however, I – I'm just going to keep rolling with Lane. The Reds keep finding ways to win, and, and I think they'll keep that up on Saturday. Okay, yeah. I can uh, see that going that way. And, I mean, geez, if they do that, I mean, like you said, that this October has been absolutely brutal. Yeah. Then they get they get a bit of a break with uh, Liberty before heading to A&M and then Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. So their November is pretty light. Um, obviously, the Egg Bowl is the Egg Bowl, but um, – we could. I think they're going to cruise into the end of the year with at least eight or nine wins. I mean, that's a hell of a year down in Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some other games to watch. Um, if some of these other games aren't very good, SMU at Houston. Houston is a one-point underdog uh, or favorite, rather. Uh, this is for who is going to play Cincinnati in the AAC title. Yeah, this is going to be called the greatest threat to Cincinnati Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Houston's won six straight, and the Mustangs have a great quarterback in Tanner Mordecai who just lit up Tulane last Thursday. So um, basically this game is SMU has the better offense, Houston has the better defense. Which one of those units is going to be the better unit and win the game? Yeah. Um, I want to stick with SMU personally because we want to have Cincinnati playing an undefeated team um, at the end of the year. So I'm going to take SMU here for sure. Yep, I am. Exactly, dead on. We need Cincinnati Trustmate to be as boosted as possible. We want the Mustangs. We love the Mustangs. You know, we I love Dana too, but um, I think this is gonna be a really fun game to watch. But I and, and I think like just looking at it from like an aesthetic standpoint in that AAC title game, SMU's wide open offense against Cincinnati's great defense will be awesome to watch. Yep. Um, elsewhere at seven thirty, North Carolina takes on my Fighting Irish. Uh, Notre Dame is only three and a half point favorites, um, which, you know, I guess makes sense. Even though UNC is struggling, they do still have Sam Howell. Um, and Notre Dame has shown a penchant for extremely close games all season. Um, that being said, I think Notre Dame has figured some stuff out on offense, um, particularly with the insertion of Joe Alt at left tackle, their fourth try of the year. Um, and the o line's getting some push. Finally, they're able to run the ball be able to set some stuff up for whichever quarterback they're using that week. Uh, Yeah, this is an easy look-ahead game for the Irish. Um, Kyle Hamilton's ruled out significant blow for that star um, defender and that uh, for Notre Dame. This is a strange line even with him out. But with all that being said, lock this one up, folks. Oh. Um, UNC is not good up front 
to protect uh, protecting Sam, their quarterback Sam Howell. They do not tackle well. Uh, Notre Dame's going to ride up a lot of pressures coming after Sam Howell, and they are going to blow the doors off UNC. I think that's right, um, Patrick. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's a great point. I, I think Notre Dame just creates too much havoc. It happened last year when UNC's offense was much better. They just whipped Sam Howell's ass. They threw him. I think he got sacked seven or eight times, um, and held and held to about two hundred yards, um, and that's with all that NFL talent. Um, so I, I like the Irish by, yeah, I, I think double digits as well. Um, big game down in the Big 12. It uh, doesn't quite have the shine it could have with, with both these teams losing, but Texas travels to Baylor. Baylor's field goal favorites, noon on ABC. Um, again, this is just another game I'm just interested in seeing what happens. I think it'll tell us a lot about the winning team. Yeah, I'm going to take Baylor here. Uh, I think they've turned a corner. Um, Texas is one of the worst tackling teams in the country, and they do not get to the quarterback. Um, they also don't play after the first quarter. Um, yeah. Whereas Baylor's rock solid across the board. Not ex- They're not really excellent anywhere else, but they are rock solid. And um, you can clearly see the highs and lows for Texas all, all across the roster. So I think Baylor right now is better than Texas, so I'm going to take Baylor with the points here. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Gary Bahannon has been phenomenal, and against defense like Texas is, I think that'll continue. Um, now, maybe the most confusing line of the week, Kentucky travels to Mississippi State only as a point-and-a-half favorite. Uh, I just found that strange. Yeah, lock this one up too, folks. Mississippi Ooh. State's um, also very inconsistent on offense, whereas Kentucky is much better. They have a better big play defense in the pass rush. So I'm taking Kentucky here. They're, I don't understand this line. Maybe Vegas knows something, but I'm not trusting Mike Leash. Yeah, uh, right there with you. He has looked utterly lost this season. Um, uh, it seems like we're still a year or two away from his vision truly being realized. So I like the Wildcats here pretty comfortably. Um, so that's week nine. Uh, there's a lot of good games all over the country and that is what we're here for you know so really take it in um we're really hitting the meat of the schedule late october into november uh patrick here's a fun fact today as we record um on wednesday the 27th this is the last day without a football game until the day before thanksgiving oh yeah we love to see it absolutely so um yeah, that rocks. Um, and then you, you, you have a travel day for Thanksgiving. Um, and then you go right into the best week of the year in terms of rivalry week. Um, I mean, you absolutely cannot beat it. Starting with the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. Um, is there anything better? No, absolutely not. Yeah, so very excited about that one. Um, all right, let's get to the listener questions and get out of here so we stop sniffling in your ears. Um, Scotty B asks, what are the chances a two-loss team makes the playoff? And will it be Ohio State? Um, I think it's it's right now it's looking kind of low that a two-loss playoff will um make the make it two-loss team will make the playoff. Sorry. Um Oregon can't afford another loss. Uh Ohio State, I think maybe might be the one team. Them or Alabama as a two-loss team might be. I'll say low to medium chances, I guess. Yeah, I, I think if anyone does it, it will be Ohio State because they will have the chance for that chaos in the Big Ten East Yeah, and to rack up some ranked wins. For example, if Ohio State loses this weekend to Penn State, they'll still have a chance to pick off Michigan and Michigan State 
and you know whoever the hell is going to come out of the Big Ten West. And there's been enough chaos elsewhere that I th- I think it could happen. But yep. again, I, I just think it'll be really tough. And I think if Cincinnati gets through this stretch undefeated, it'll be really really hard to to leave them out for one of these two lost teams. Yeah, uh, that's what I like to think. Uh, Scotty B also asked, "Do you buy the Dan Mullen hot seat talk?" Uh, I'll start. Absolutely. This team should be better than it is. Yep. They should be better than it is now. They should have been better than they were with the greatest offense they've had in 2020 years before that. It's Dan Mullen. It's, it's, it's like I said last week, it was very surprising that everyone was calling for, you know, coach O's job where you have Dan Mullen who has just a good enough talent minus the championship, but he has just the same record as coach O. So this yeah. talk is very warranted for this coach. Yeah, and I think it might ratchet up if Georgia, you know, absolutely stuffs him in a body bag this weekend, which I kind of think is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, plus, he's a little baby all the time, just whining about everything. How about you shut up and not lose to Kentucky, pal? Yep. Uh, our friend Michael asks, what is your favorite Simpsons Treehouse of Horror? Um, Mine's a tie between uh, Treehouse of Horror 5 and 1994, The Shining Bit. Um, okay. That's always a fantastic one, but I honestly think I'm leaning with Treehouse of Horror 7 in 1996, the Citizen Kang, where Kang and Kudos um, run for election. Yes. Conquer the world. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, just it was happening during the Dole versus Clinton presidential election. So, yeah, um, it was, uh, that, I always enjoy watching that one. Twirling, twirling towards freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite's The Raven. Uh, we got it's. You know, it's the classic Halloween poem. James Earl Jones on the narration. Oof, Marone can't beat it. Um, that's just, it's a great app. The Treehouse of Horrors are a, a total gem. Um, I'm going to have to find a way to fire those up over the next few days. Um, yeah, I'm not really a Halloween guy. Not really a scary movie guy. Too spooky. But that does it for me. Mm-hmm. Our friend Wes asked, last question here, who is in a worse state right now, the Pac-12 or the ACC? Um, if you asked me this like three weeks ago, I'd say the ACC, but it's Pac-12 now. Um, okay. I because they just have Oregon and no one, no one else in that conference just still like you know gives me any confidence that's a good po- program. Whereas you know ACC, you usually you think is Clemson, and you know this year like wow, Clemson sucks, but they have Pittsburgh and Wake Forest that are showing up, showing up. They look great. I think. Um, yeah. So I think they're in a better state right now than the Pac-12 is. Yeah. I was sketching it out, and initially I had Pac-12 because Oregon's borderline elite seems to want to stay there. Um, mm-hmm. And they're recruiting like crazy. UCLA, Oregon State, Colorado have all shown positive signs of improvement. Then you have a team like Washington, who's supposed to be, if not Oregon's equal, very close. Um, and they're awful this year. Yeah. And Stanford's awful this year. USC is in shambles, but at least they fired their coach. Yeah. Um, so they're starting. Utah is bad this year. Arizona, Arizona is maybe the worst team in the Power Five. Um, Arizona State has been total frauds. Utah's down. Um, I yeah, I think you're right. I think the Pac-12 is the one in the worst state right now. Um. And sure, Clemson looks bad now, um, but I wonder how long these problems are going to stick around. Yeah. All right, folks, that was our flu game. 
Uh, hopefully our coughs and sniffles weren't too bad. Uh, my voice is annoying enough when it's, and then, you know, on top of it, we got to make it super nasally. Um, but we'll be back in full health next week, recording back on our normal day of Tuesday. Uh, Patrick, do you have any words for the people? Not much. Just enjoy a nice spooky Halloween weekend. This is probably going to be one of the best slates of the year. So, you know, throw on that chili, cook up that brisket. It's going to be a good one. You know, Patrick, I just realized it's because you say stay sick out there. And that's what did it to us. Yes. You know, we did stay sick out there. Yep. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week.